God, it's time for us in this service to bow before your throne and ask for special grace and ask for your touch and your anointing. We ask you to move upon us this morning, O oh God, and enable us to communicate the things that you put in our heart and in our mind and in our spirit that we could deliver them to the church so that we can hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. God, our ears are attentive, our hearts are waiting, and we anticipate a message from you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, we've made it all the way to the sixth of the seven churches, and uh, we're going to take a break next Sunday and uh, honor our retired ministers in our church. Reformation Sunday is the first Sunday in October, and we always receive an offering at that time and uh, send Christmas uh, gifts to our retired ministers and their, their spouses. You know, we owe a tremendous debt to people that pioneered the way before us. Amen. And uh, my dad was a retired minister, and my, my granddad, he was active when he passed. He was 60 years old. He died with cancer. But uh, our family, I'm at 50 years. Dad was at 54, and my grandfather was somewhere around 40. So that's a lot of years. And I, I really have a deep abiding respect for our retired ministers. One of our retired ministers is 90. How much, Brother Jennings? 91? 91, he says. Yes, sir. How about that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm so proud of these guys and ladies. Sue Register is one of our retired minister ladies. And we're so proud of all of the ministry that goes on. And we want to make sure that we give proper recognition to everyone. So help us in the congregation. Should we not know of uh, one, please advise us and let us know. So we want to properly respect. The Bible said, honor those to whom honor is due. Amen. And I think retired ministers and my retired minister ladies are, are worthy of the respect that we should show to them. So next Sunday, Brother Ford's going to be preaching. Amen. He's been wanting to preach for a long time. And uh, to my next Sunday, now you may get a, a gun barrel sermon because he's been wadding his shotgun for a long time. So you should get a good one next uh, Sunday. Brother Ford will be preaching for us. He's a retired minister and has been for many years. He helps us on staff here with our senior adult ministry. Look to the word of the Lord, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee, because thou hast kept the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit 
has to say unto the churches. Today is our sixth installment of our series on the seven churches of Asia. Strangely enough, there are this church and the Smyrna church that had no kind of a commendation. There is no fussing about them being dead, should be alive. There is no Balaam, no uh, Jezebel, no uh, seed of Satan, just plain a good church, a great church. 125 miles southeast of, of uh, Sardis, this church about 25 miles south of Thyatira, and still this church is a church that is called Philadelphia. And all of you know what Philadelphia means. It means brotherly love. Well, that does not mean to imply that everybody in this church had brotherly love. In other words, it may be called the church of brotherly love, but that's a far cry from people in that church having brotherly love. Can you say amen? You be called Pentecostal, but uh, you may not be Pentecostal. There are many labels that go on us, and God forbid that we wouldn't live up to the most of the labels of being the people of God and and the, the saints of the Lord or the saved by grace. We need to live up to all of that, and we need to live up to that that term Pentecostal as well, because God wants us to have His Spirit abiding in us. And these were churches that had the Spirit of God because they believe this is what the Spirit is saying to them. The author is the same as other letters. The Lord Jesus is the author of this letter. But did you read that distinction? Here is what him that is holy, he that is true. I want to tell you that my Lord Jesus is holy. He is glorious in holiness. He is pure and he is righteous. He is the only begotten Son of the Father. He is all the fullness of the Godhead that dwells in him bodily. He's the bright and morning star. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. He's the rose of Sharon. He's victory in whom there is no defeat. He is music's sweetest melody. He's history's greatest personality. He is all and he is in all. And he is the author of this letter. And the fact that he is holy lets us know that he is the unspotted, unblemished Lamb of God that died for the sins of the whole world forever. Can you applaud the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ is holy sinless, sinless and righteous in all of his his dealings. He is not only holy, but he is also truth. He is true, holy and he that is true. Jesus even made that statement in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the truth that sets you free. Jesus is the truth that is truth personified in the person of the Lord Jesus. There is no falseness. There is no hypocrisy. There is no sham. There is no play-like around the Lord Jesus. He is true and genuine. He is the son of the living God. And when you know that, the Bible said, he that believeth that he is the son of God, the same is born of God. 
When we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, when he is true to his mission and true to his sacrificial offering of himself, the priesthood that is like Melchizedek, a prophet like Moses, and a king like David, what a wonderful person we have in the lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say all hail the power of Jesus' name? Let angels prostrate fall, bring forth the royal diadem, and crown him, crown him Lord of all. To God be the glory, and to the Lord Jesus be great applause and worship and exaltation forever and forever. Hallelujah. And then, of course, he is called the key of David the key of David that is attached to the prophecy that there will always be a member of David's family upon the throne of Israel. The Bible tells us that out of Bethlehem, which is the city of David, amen, it's taught, taught us in Holy Scripture that Shiloh, or the Lord Jesus, shall come out of the lineage of, of David. Thanks be to God. And I want to tell you today that that's not just a Christmas message. That's a message for all of time. That Jesus is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. And he has the key of David. If you would put Isaiah chapter 22 verse 20. And in Isaiah's time he was prophesying that there's going to be a time of chastisement. There's going to be a time when the Chaldeans would come and take the children of Israel uh, captive. But he has... A, a priest whose name is Eliakim. Read it in Isaiah chapter 22. And it shall come to pass in that day, I will call my servant Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, and I will clothe him with thy robe and strengthen him with thy girdle, and I will commit thy government into his hand, and he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the house of Judah. And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, so he shall open, and none shall shut, and he shall shut, and none shall open. And I will fasten him, glory, I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place. Wow. Now, Isaiah is, is through the spirit and the anointing and enablement of the spirit, he is proclaiming that Eliakim, will be the one who gives access into David and access into the throne room, as it were. And he says that this is going to be symbolic of what the Lord Jesus will do, that the Lord Jesus will put a door of access. In fact, he said, I am the door. And if any man shall enter in by me, he shall be saved. There is no one who controls that door but the precious Lord Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? No one controls that door but him. When he opens it, it is open. When he shuts it, it is shut. No man can open it and no man can shut it. No one can determine salvation. No one can determine righteousness. No one can determine the redemptive provision except the Lord Jesus Christ based upon his sacrificial offering at Calvary. And he said that fact that the Lord Jesus will open up a way where you can enter into the presence of God. He said, I will let that be like a nail that is nailed in a secure place. Why do we need to have that like a nail in a sure place? 
and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that right up there hangs all of my hope. Right up there hangs all of my peace. Right up there hangs all of my righteousness. Right up there hangs all of my relationship and fellowship with God is right there. And what was secured by a nail. When dejectors and despisers and the Roman government put all of my hope and all of my peace and all of my joy and all of my life upon that piece of wood, they took a nail and the nail pierced his hands and the nail pierced his feet and my joy and my peace and my relationship with God depended upon that sacrifice that was nailed in a sure place. Glory to God. Oh, he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have come down from that cross, but it wasn't a nail that held him to that cross. It was something more powerful than a nail. It was something more powerful than being suspended between heaven and earth. The most powerful thing that held my Lord to that cross was for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh, it wasn't the nails. It was the love for lost humanity that held the Lord Jesus. Oh, I'm so glad he didn't come down. I'm so glad he didn't walk off that cross. I'm glad he suffered and died and bled and gave up the ghost and went into the tomb. But on that third day, hallelujah, when sin thought they had defeated him, when death thought he had him, when the grave thought he could hold him, hallelujah, about the dawning of the day, the Bible said they came and saw the tomb and the stone was rolled away. Hallelujah. When asking, where is the Lord Jesus? They said, he is not here. And oh, I'm so glad he's not here. I'm glad he's where he said he would be. He said, behold, I'm going to my father. And when I get to my father, I will pray the father. And my father will send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever and forever. Behold, I'm with you always. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. All my joy, all my peace, all my hope hangs upon that cross right there. Hallelujah. Secured by a nail, God said, I'll put a nail in a sure place. That soul cannot perish, nor that concern fall to the ground, which is by faith hung upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He will set before the believer an open door, which no man can shut, and bring both body and soul to eternal glory. But those who neglect so great salvation that door will remain shut because there is no other way and there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Neither is there salvation in any other. Friend, when you shut that door, you shut the door on all hope. When you shut that door of grace and that door of forgiveness, friend, there you'll find it nowhere else. 
You can't find it out there in the world. You won't find it in this age, neither in the age to come, because there's just one door, and that door is Jesus. And when he shuts that door, no man can open that door. That's why today it is so urgent that you seek him while he may be found. It's open now. He says that I've placed before you an open door. That door is wide open right now. And the invitation is whosoever will, let him come. That door is wide open now for every person of Adam's race. No matter what you've done or where you've been or who you are or what color of your skin or what nationality you are. Hallelujah. That door is open. Somebody say open. That door is open, my brother. It's open and no man can shut it. My Lord, I feel like shouting, don't you? I'm glad the door is open, aren't you? I'm glad that door is open. I hope that door stays open until God gets ready to shut it. And I understand from that scripture it will. It will. Because the Bible said the Lord hath appointed a day. The Lord hath appointed a day when that door will close. Wow, Pastor, that, that's the severity of that, that moment. The awesome awesome weight of that statement. You see, Eliakim had the authority to control who had access. Jesus, in the same manner, has given us access. He says to us, come boldly. Don't try to slip through a crack in the wall. Come boldly. Don't come sheepishly and timidly. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Why? To find grace to find grace. What will I get when I get into his presence? Grace. What will I find when I enter into his presence? Grace. Grace. Grace is what you'll find because in his presence, in his presence, in his presence, that's that kingly power that the Lord uses and he has the key to that throne. Not only David's throne, but you know what he's got a key to? He's got the key to that city of New Jerusalem. They make a big deal when they give away the key to the city. I think it's humorous when that commercial, have you seen it on television? It's a Geico. And he takes that big old key and puts it on his ring and comes walking off the stage. You seen that? Brother, won't it be something when the Lord Jesus Christ has the key of that city? In Revelation 21, John said, I saw that, that city, that holy city, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Glory. He said that city is 1,500 miles square. Are you getting that? In other words, it is a cube. It's 1,500 miles wide. It's 1,500 miles long. And it's 1,500 miles high. And it's got 12 foundations. That means floors. It's 125 miles from the first floor to the second floor. How'd you get that, Pastor? Divided 12 into 15. 
if it's 1,500 miles high and there's 12 foundations, it's 125 miles. Well, now that's going to get you out of this earth's orbit, I think, through the stratosphere and probably put you out somewhere in, in space, wouldn't it? 125 miles? Wow. 1,500 miles wide. How far west do you think that is, Don? About Tucson? About Tucson. A little further, maybe. Albuquerque, you think? Yeah, about Albuquerque, let's say. And then you've got to go 1,500 miles north then. So you're getting up there close to Vancouver then, aren't you? Vancouver, Canada. Then we're going to go back east 1,500 miles wide. And that's going to get us over around, what, New York, Philadelphia, somewhere over there? One city? You mean our whole country? One whole city? The first floor is garnished with diamonds, solid diamond, jasper. You see in that there in Revelation 21, have you got that? About that city and the different jewels. Now, folks, if you want, hey, Sam, you'll want to go to this city. Now, all you women, y'all will probably want on the first floor because it's solid diamond. And diamonds are a girl's best friend. <laughs> that city has got garnished with a different one. What is the second one there, Kim? Chalcedony? 21st chapter, Revelation. See those jewels? What are they? What's the second one? First one's Jasper. What's the second one? Sapphire. Well, that's beautiful blue. Well, what's the third? Chalcedony? Oh, that's, that's sky blue. What's the fourth? Emerald? Well, that's green. What's the fifth one? Sardius? That's bright red. What's the next one? Sardonyx? That's red and white. What's the seventh? Hey, Alabama fans, you're born on six. Six. Got it? You'll see the big A on, on the elevator when you get off on six. Red and white. How about that? Seventh is what? Topaz? Well, what is that? It's number seven. Chrysolite? Chrysolite is golden. What's eight? Topaz? Beryl? That's sea green. What's the next one? Topaz? Now we got that beautiful blue. About like your top you got on, Kim. Number nine? Read it for me, Don. Holler at him. I'm playing with him. <laughs> Number nine. Well, your arm ain't long enough. Your arm ain't long enough. Get your glasses on. Burl, the ninth is topaz. That's beautiful blue. Tenth is chrysoprasus. You know what that is? Purple. Purple. Yes. Ella Grace would want that one. The 11th is Jacinth. Who is that? Come on, Auburn. Come on, Auburn. Orange. 
Jacinth is orange. All you war eagles ought to holler it out. And the twelfth is amethyst. You know what that is? That's blue. Beautiful blue. Each one. Now, if you started visiting rooms from the dawn of creation, 6,000 years, say, and you, you visited rooms and you divided that, that city up into rooms that was one mile wide, one mile high, and one mile long, there'd be something like 3 billion, 350 something million, and so many hundred thousand rooms in that city. Now, if you started visiting rooms and you spent an hour in each one and you visited for 6,000 years, you'd make it through about 52 million of those rooms, still leaving 3,415,000,000 that you've never set your foot in and you've been visiting for 6,000 years. Whoa! And Jesus has got the key to the city. Praise God. You know what this, the, the city directory is, the phone book? You know what the city directory is? It's the Lamb's book of life. Do you know who the utilities? You know what the power company is in that city? Jesus is the light that lights that whole city. And out of the throne there flows rivers, the water system. Praise God, the river of life, the crystal sea. Praise God. You won't have to worry about any water. Well, Brother Jerry, what a fabulous place that is. And you say Jesus is the key, not just in a practical sense, but in a spiritual sense, he's the key. If you want to live there, that old song said, oh, I want to live there, don't you? You know what the key to living there is? Jesus, Jesus, he has the key to that city. And then he gave them, I've got to hurry. Daniel said in Daniel chapter 7, I saw in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of God. He came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom that which shall never be destroyed. What is his name? He said he'd got a new name. What is his name? King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation 19 and 11. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. He that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him on white horses. Well, Brother Jerry, do I need to go start taking my equestrian lessons? I don't think you'll need them, but the Bible said we would all follow the Lord Jesus back to this earth riding on white horses. 
Well, I never. Riding on white horses. How about that? The armies followed. And we were clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth, the Lord Jesus, goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he hath a, on his vesture and on his thigh a name that was written. What was it? King of kings and Lord of lords. Well, what does this king of kings have to say to us? Number one, he says, I know your works. Know all about you. I know the fight. I know the struggle. I know the pain. I know everything you're going through. I know everything about you. I know your works. Wow. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it for you. have a little strength. That strengthometer that they were wearing was way down low. I've seen from some of your faces sometimes that you had a little strength. Jesus looked at this church and he said, well, you've got a little strength. Well, praise God, that's better than no strength at all. Amen. Well, pastor, I'm not, not much. Well, praise God, it's better than nothing. Take whatever you got and start working with it and build on it. Amen. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews, but they're not. Now, who is he talking about here? You know, we all, in a sense, are Jews. You know that we are that uh, wild olive branch, Gentiles, and that we were grafted into that original vine, which is the Lord's people, Jewish people, people of Israel. And we were grafted in. I wish I had a horticulturist here today to talk to us about Talk to us about that process of grafting. You take a branch that is of another species and you open up a wound. Glory to God. In Jesus, the wound was over. I ain't got time to preach that sermon, but that, that wound, and you put, place that, that eligible limb and attach it to that surrogate plant. And you wrap it tightly and affix it there. And eventually, if that surrogate plant chooses to accept, then nutrients and sap will start flowing out of that original and it will become a part of the tree. And the Bible tells us that we have received the engrafted word. Have you ever heard the Bible called the engrafted word? The engrafted word is that that makes the healing process take place when you are joined with the surrogate. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory, always causes us to triumph, and has made us unto our God just like his chosen people. He came unto his own and his own received him not. But as many as did receive him, gave he power to become the sons of God. And you know, when he puts that open door, that means an open door to preach. 
an open door to share the gospel, an open door to, to let people know that Jesus is right for whatever's wrong. That open door is, is so important when you talk about this grafting, that we can preach the gospel of the kingdom because he has engrafted us into. Behold, I come quickly. And he says, the people of the church at Philadelphia had born with persecution. They'd endured hardship. They'd endured suffering. And he said, I, I, I will try. I will test. You don't have to test them. I'll test them, he said. And try those that are the synagogue of Satan that say they're Jews, but they're not. In other words, they say they're Christian, but they're not. That's quite a, quite a circle to make there, isn't it? And he said, there are people in the church. I guess all churches are like that. Is that too tough? That say they're Christians, but in name only. You'd be surprised if you took a poll right here in Calhoun County at how many people say they're Christian. Some people believe that because you're an American, you're a Christian. But being a Christian is far greater than being an American or being a citizen. Now, when he talks about that open door to preach, come on, Victor, and help me quit. Acts chapter 14 says this, And thence sailed on to Antioch, and from whence they had been recommended to the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. And when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done within them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Thank God that door opened. You ought to say thanks a thousand times because that's you. That got, that got you. That door was open to you. 1 Corinthians 16 and 8. But I will tarry at Ephesus, Paul speaking, until Pentecost. For a great door and an effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. 2 Corinthians 2 and 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened unto me by the Lord. Colossians 4 and 3. Whithal praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which also I am in bonds. You see, when we want God to move, we pray for God to open a door. God, if you'll help us and just open a door. Did you know that's how I find the will of God? That's the way I find the will of God. When God opens a door, praise the Lord. You need to follow the Lord and follow his steps and do what the Lord says. And if God shuts a door, you need to forget it. But I found that when God shuts a door, it's always because he's got a better door to open for you. Always. And then he says to them something that's very important, but it's a great theological debate, and I don't have time to do that. He says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, you have not sinned against my name. You haven't soiled your garments. And you haven't sinned. He said, they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. And he said, and I will not blot their name out of that book, but I'll confess it like he did to the church at Sardis. He said, I will do all of those things. 
But he says to this group right here, I will keep you from that hour. I will keep you from that hour of temptation which will come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the face of the earth. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about tribulation. I'm talking about a time that is in the future that's coming. It's a time of judgment. It's a time of wrath. It's a time of indignation. It's called the day of Jacob's trouble. It's a time of judgment upon Israel is what it is. Terrible things are going to happen during the tribulation period. There will be a one-world dictator. There will be a one-world currency. There will be a one-world market. There will be a one-world key. And it's a number that is placed either in your hand or in your forehead without which you can neither buy nor sell. What a terrible time that's going to be because to take that seal is to shut the door. I said it means you've shut the door. Pastor, you're scaring me. It shouldn't. Don't let it scare you because that's the word right there in Revelation 3.10. Because you've kept the word of my patience. Here's your part of that. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I will keep you. I will keep you. Is anybody listening to me? I will keep you from that hour of temptation that comes upon all the world to try and test them that dwells upon the earth. I'll keep you from that. I'll keep you from that. In Isaiah 26 and 20, he says, Come, my people, and enter thou into thy chambers and shut the door about you. That's a door you can shut. What is it, Pastor? It's, it's a door of my personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. I have shut the door not to keep God out, but to keep the devil out. And to keep everybody that would keep me from being eligible to go in the rapture, I've got that door so they won't do that to me. I can't afford to lose my soul over somebody from the synagogue of Satan. I can't afford to lose my place in God's great band that he's going to gather on that day. I can't afford to forfeit that. I can't let anybody, I can't let Debbie cause me to miss that. I can't let my children cause me to miss that. I can't let my brothers, my sisters, I can't let any of you cause me to disqualify myself and render myself ineligible to go in that rapture and to be at peace with God. Come, enter into the chamber, shut the door about you while the Lord comes out of his place for a moment to punish the inhabitants of the earth. When that punishment time comes, I'm going to be safe in my chamber with the door shut about me. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I'll keep you from that hour. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9, For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then over there in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 6. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. 
I like to think that I'm in the devil's way. I like to think that the devil knows I'm here. You think the devil knows about us? One time when that sorcerer, he tried to cast the devil out of somebody, he said, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. And the devil spoke. Better be careful when you holler at devils, they'll holler back at you. The devil spoke back and he said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? Brother, you don't want to hear him say, who are you? I like to think that he knows we're here, Brother Mark. I, think, I like to think that we're causing enough problem for him, that we're restraining him, that we're holding him back. For only he who now letteth will let until we be taken out of the way. I like to think I'm in the way. You know what being in the way is? It's when your wife says, would you get out of here? You're in my way. I see that smile on your face. You got it when I put it in those terms, didn't you? In the way. In the way. Be taken out of the way. Then. When is then? When we're taken out of the way. Then. Then. Shall that wicked be revealed? You mean he won't be revealed until I'm taken out of the way? Then shall that wicked be revealed, whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power. Did you get that? Well, that lets me know how much is all power. So there is no other power but that. So that if he's got the only power there is, in this earth, that's proof enough for me we're not going to be here because Jesus said, I give you power. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Behold, I give you power to tread upon serpents. As long as God's people are here, the power of God's going to be here. Hallelujah. So the devil can't come in with all power as long as there's a powerful church here in this earth. Buddy, somebody ought to be in the aisle. Glory to God. Taken out of the way, then shall that wicked be revealed. Coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of them that perish who receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved then who is going to be here? Those who receive not the truth that they might be saved. I'm reading it right out of the book, folks. Right out of the book. Who is the tribulation period for then? Those who receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. Am I preaching to any saved people today? Y'all ask me that question. Y'all preach You preach to me and let me say amen. Yes, I'm saved. Praise God, honey, I'm saved. Thank God I'm saved by the blood of Jesus. You better believe I'm saved. One Sunday, I'm just going to give you all this mic and let you preach and let me say amen. 
Doesn't that bless you to know that God hath not appointed you to wrath? Doesn't that bless you to know that when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ rise, we shall rise to meet the Lord in the air, that we're going to be taken out of here before all that wrath and condemnation and judgment when, when the moon begins to bleed with blood and when stars fall out of their sockets and when men are covered with sores from the uh, crown of our head to the sole of their foot and go over to get a drink of water and turn the fountain on and blood comes out like a dead man. You think God's going to put His children through that? Thanks be to God. Where are you going to be? Oh, let me tell you where I'm going to be. Church is raptured in Revelation 4. Come up a little higher. In Revelation 5, there can be nobody else singing this song but us. In Revelation 5. Got it? John said, I looked and I saw him that sat upon the throne from whom the heaven and the earth fled away. Describe that throne. And he said, and I saw another standing in the midst of the throne and said the Father on that throne had a book in his hand and it was sealed with seven seals. And he said they started searching for someone that was worthy to take the book and loose the seals, but no one was found worthy. And I, John, fell on my face and I wept because no one was found worthy to take the book and loose the seals. And one of the 24 elders came over to me and laid his hand upon my head and he said, Weep not, for the lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David hath prevailed to take the book and to loose the seals thereof. Here stands Jesus in the midst of the throne with a seven-sealed book. Now we're going to get it open in Revelation 6, but in Revelation 5, he's got the book. And the Bible said, Revelation 5 and 9. Put it up there for me if you can, Revelation 5 and 9. And they sang a new song. Sam, that's one that never been sung before. A new song. What were they singing about, preacher? Thou art worthy to take the book and to loose the seals. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us unto God by thine own blood and hast made us unto our God kings and priests and we shall reign with him upon the earth. Kings and priests and serve our God and they will reign upon the earth. Now then we don't see the Antichrist come in until the sixth chapter after this. Sixth chapter, loosening of the first seal. In comes a white horse rider. Why white? Peace. He's going to come in peace. Going to come in peace. He's going to say, I've got all the answers to the world's problem. If you'll just listen to me, I'll solve all your problems. If you'll just let me have the authority and the power, I'll straighten everything out. And they'll buy that wholesale. And the Bible said, and they shall not escape. Shall not escape. When they accept that doctrine, and then in the middle of the week, the Bible said he would break his policy. And he'd put himself in the temple in Jerusalem and command them to worship him as God. Where are you going to be when all that's going on, Brother Joe? I'm going to be singing that song. I'm going to be in heaven singing that song. Who else could it be? Who else could it be? Thou hast redeemed us unto God by thine own blood. Angels can't sing that. No created beings can sing that. 
Nobody can sing that but by people that sing that song that are redeemed by blood, washed in the blood. Only people that can sing that song. And when do we sing it? When we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. You mean you believe there's going to be shouting on the hills of glory? Yes, I do. The Bible said that we would walk in and out the gates of that city. Glory to God. Won't it be wonderful there? Having no burdens to bear. Joyously singing with heart bells all ringing. Oh, won't it be wonderful there? Nothing makes me want to live for God like knowing that that's in my future. Nothing makes me want to live right. Nothing makes me want to preach, Jerry, like knowing God's got the future in His hands. He's got the future in His hand. And the blissful, wonderful joy of that Sometimes Don and I'll be riding down the road. I'll be get up here and get my communion cup. Don, will, I'll sing some old song. There'll be no crepe on the doorknobs. And Don will say, my mama used to sing that song. Sometime I'll sing, no tears in heaven. And Don will say, my mama used to sing that song. I sing some tears will never stain the streets of that city. Don will say, my mama used to sing that song. Sometimes I'd sing, I'm going to take a ride on a cloud. Don will say, my mama used to sing that. <laughs> well, brother, can you imagine? Debbie asked me this morning, she said, I wonder what my mother's doing this morning. Wonder what Mama's doing this morning. I wonder what John Rankin's doing this morning. I wonder what Ken Goodwin's doing this morning. I wonder what Clayton's doing this morning. That scripture I quoted, it said, For in his presence there is fullness of joy, and there's pleasure evermore at his right hand. I don't know what they're doing. But there's joy, and there's bliss, and there's pleasure. And he says to this church, I will keep you from the hour of temptation. And he said, I'll write a new name on you. I'm going to write the name of my God on you. I'm going to write a new name on you. I want to be in that number, don't you? Stand with me, please. Well... You need to know something. That church at Laodicea, there's not a good, not a good things to preach about. That. I may let Don preach about that. I may pass the buck, cause y'all get mad at me when I preach Laodicea sermons. You know what that bunch? You know what their problem was? Hot and cold. God said, "The thing I've got against you is you're neither hot nor cold." You're just passive. Don't care one way or the other. Come on. And God said, I would that you'd either be hot or that you'd be cold. But because you're lukewarm, 
I'll spew you out of my mouth. You know what they did at Laodicea? They had an eye save. They were known all over the world for eye save, weren't they? I'll let Don preach it, all right? Amen. That night that Jesus was betrayed, isn't it strange that the Bible talks about that night and identifies that night by saying, in the night he was betrayed. That night when he was arrested in the garden. That night when Judas went and sold him for 30 pieces of silver. That night when he ate the Last Supper. That night, in the night that the Lord was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Thank you, God, for your broken body. In like manner, he took the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you. Drink ye all of it. And in so doing, ye do show forth the Lord's death until he comes. This do in remembrance of me. Clothe yourself in wisdom and understanding, saith the Lord, and know the times in which you live. Look about you and see the working of the hand of the enemy, but also look and see my hand at work, saith the Lord, for I am in charge and I am leading all things. My word is true. My prophets are speaking the truth. My coming is near. Heed the call. The door is opened. And you can take advantage of my gracious offer of salvation. Come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Pray with me, Lord Jesus, in your name, I accept your word. It's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. And right now, in your name, I confess before you my need of your grace and your leading and your direction. In myself, I can do nothing. But through you, I can do all things. I trust you, Lord. You are my Savior and my soon-coming King. And I'll worship you and I'll serve you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now would you give him some great praise this morning? Would you give him some great praise?
thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the open door. And God, always let this church be a church of an open door. Let this church, oh Lord, extend our door all the way to the marketplace and to the street corners. May everyone know that there's an open door at harvest. You can find God there. Now, God, go with us and keep us safe from harm and danger. Bring us back to this place of worship, God, without the loss of a person. And, Lord, if it be in your will, I pray that you'd come this very afternoon. And I pray, Lord, if you don't come this afternoon, I I pray you'll come in the morning. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your grace and thank you for the open door. In Jesus' name, amen.